Well, it was so nice to meet you, Janet, and you, Mark. I mean, Michael. Huh. I called you Mark. Your name is Michael. No, that's okay. Hey, hey, stay with me here, buddy. No, 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 this is very bad. Forgetting someone's name, that's definitely lost me some points. Hey, you know, I've always secretly wished my name was Mark. Lie. That's a lie. Oh. Now I'm accusing you of lying. Now I'm yelling. Why am I yelling? I need to make this up. I'm going to give you a really nice haircut. Was that a snail? Yeah. Yeah, that was a snake. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. I think he's still alive. Do either of you know anything about snail first aid? No. Yes, I mean no. All right, Michael, I need you to find some scotch tape while I apply pressure. Too much pressure. I'm going to need that tape. Buddy, I couldn't help but notice earlier this week that they made a huge announcement that Kristen Bell, Darcy Carden, and a large gathering of the Good Place cast and creatives are doing one of those charity auction raffle things where the winner gets to have lunch with all of them. And how do we infiltrate this? And how do we do it while spending no money for any charity of any kind? Yeah, I think we got to rob a few people use their credit cards, take their cash. Well, we've been talking it. about that a lot lately. We've got a yeah. big plan that heavily big involves plan. credit card fraud. Yeah. Been talking a lot about that lately. And us, and specifically us. It's cool that we're talking about this on the show, right? It, it's not they can't use it against us. us. It's a podcast. No. If we yeah. get married first, that's the well, big part of the plan. Surprise! Once we're married, they we're can't married. do anything. Can't arrest a husband and husband for the same crime. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Into the Time Knife, a Good Place rewatch podcast. I'm Zach P.P. King Pruitt. Nice. I'm Steven. I don't remember what my thing was. Baker. Wow. Do I usually say my last name? No, and neither do I, but with the P.P. King. So thing, you heard it here first. My last name. Steven, <laughs> Steven Baker name. and Zach Pruitt. Credit when we card get married fraud. for this credit card fraud thing, whose last name are we taking? Are we hyphenating? Are we sharing? I'd like to hyphenate. I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of a hyphenate. Who comes first? Well, usually me. Twice. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so it'll be Baker Baker Pruitt. <laughs> Baker Baker <laughs> Zachary that makes sense to me. Okay. Martavius Baker Baker Pruitt. Of course I'll be taking your mom's maiden name. Yeah. Baker. <laughs> How have you been, Zach? I'm very glad to see you. It's been a few extra days, or not a few extra days, but we've done less together over the last few weeks than usual. It's true. I've been ripping raring to get back in front of the microphone, back in front of the webcam to talk to you about life, about the good place. I've been fine. I've watched a ton of movies over the last week. Let's see. What was the best? You know what movie wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be? What? That Jennifer Lawrence No Hard Feelings movie. As somebody who was and still kind of, I guess, technically is into older women, I feel like that movie is something that would I would enjoy because yeah. it'd be like a power fantasy type thing, like insert myself into the teenage boy yeah, while he sure. inserts himself into Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, it's a really, really horrible concept for a movie. Mm -hmm. And the reason that is he it like a kid? Of, he's 19 and he's graduating high school and going to college. Okay. Been there. Steven is happy to say on the podcast, one, credit card fraud coming your way 2024, two, 19-year-old and Jennifer Lawrence, totally fine by him. How old is she in the movie? I think she's like 30. Good for him. 
<laughs> Jesus. Bad behavior on her end. That's, yeah, he's well, not the reason enough. that the movie works, if it works at all, is because both of the two leads are really good in it. They mm-hmm. keep it a lot less creepy than you would think, but it's not funny enough to be totally worth how. It's supposed to be a comedy. The top, the what did you? Did you think it was just like a porn? I thought it was like a drama. A drama about Jennifer Lawrence dating a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, like I thought, like people were yeah. gonna be like, no, 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 that. and they're like, our love. They'd probably nominate that for an Oscar. Yeah. No, this is a comedy. Mm. Anyway, the worst thing I watched. Um. I didn't like Renfield very much. I watched Renfield. <laughs> Renfield thought it was is that bad. Nicolas Cage vampire movie? Yes. Yeah, that looked bad. I don't have much to... Uh, yeah, I just didn't like it. I, it should have been a lot of fun, and it wasn't. It was kind mm-hmm. of a, a slog to get through. A lot of people have been giving me hate on my letterbox because I finally watched, for the first time in my life, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, and I only gave it a two and a half because people really really like I'd like that. to speak on that Zach cuz I did have feelings but I didn't find the I didn't find it necessary to message you because a lot of people did I like love the Scooby Doo movies and yeah. I hold a lot of them in very high esteem that one's sure. actually not even like top 5 for me of the animated Scooby Doo movies Why do you that, say even that? the original ones that one I think it's okay I think it's a little bit boring compared to like the Ghoul School or Cyber Chase. Is Ghoul or, School Hex Girls? Uh, Hex Girls is The Witch's Ghost, which is probably my number one. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't a big Witch's Ghost kid fucking ever. Slaps. Like, I don't know why. I think it just always, to me, came mm-hmm. off very repetitive and also came off kind of old. And I, as a kid, it just didn't pique my interest. It did. I was too busy my, watching my recorded 2000 like... soap opera passions as recorded on VHS tape That's every day fair. by my well, mother. My mom recorded nobody for was me around. on VHS tape hosted by Angela Lansbury. Cartoon Network did a massive Scooby Doo marathon where they showed every episode of the show for like days, and cool. it, she like got the whole thing on VHS, like recorded it for me. So I'd watch that shit all the time. Big Scooby Doo awesome. fan as a kid. Really, loved I'm about it. to really ask you some Scooby-Doo. more questions about your week, but before we get any further, we should have already shouted out our ten dollar and up patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Can't Disappoint Podcast. Those are the people that help keep the lights on over here. They bring this show to you every single week. They get the show early. All kinds of exclusive Zach and Steven spicy content you can only get from behind the paywall. We've got to shout out the $10 and up patrons. Those people are Mary Baker Budisa, Danny M. Lugo, Justin Fortier, Lil S. Haker, and Sarah M. Sarah M is a really mysterious figure. I feel like she's uh-huh. the next one we really got to signal in on. It's been yeah. a while since we've really had some inspired what's going on with this patron type stuff. It's happened yeah, a few Sarah, times. Sarah M. Is it Sarah with an H? Yes. Hmm. What do you think the M stands for? I find the M period very Montgomery. mysterious. I find it very mysterious. Also, and look, Sarah M, thank you so much for supporting your picture, you look like a very beautiful woman, which makes me think this person could be like some weird kind of porn bot type thing. I've been <laughs> noticing that I'm getting a lot of porn bots liking all of my tweets whenever I tweet, and all I did was look up anal cowboy. You know, all I did, and <laughs> all now you all did was t- follow twelve triple xxx Twitter xxx videos xx wet wet. All you do is accidentally accounts. retweet six foot fetish videos as a Republican <laughs> Texas congressman. <laughs> And suddenly the porn bots won't leave me alone. Sarah M might be a porn bot, is my, <laughs> my prediction. Well, thanks, Sarah M. Message us on Kick, and we will uh, have at you. Isn't Kick like a 
streaming platform now? I have no idea. Is Remember it not Kik? just a place to send nudes without <laughs> asking for someone's phone number? I think there's like more to it now. I don't know. I saw there was some scandal on Twitter and I didn't I like vaguely recognized one of the names as somebody that was like an early YouTube person. And they did stuff on Kick. Yeah. So thanks for supporting the show all you guys. Sarah M I'm sorry if that was too far, but I'm I'm confused by you. The M is mysterious to me. Let <laughs> us know if you're a real person. Uh, I mean, how would the porn bot benefit off of giving us ten dollars every month? Uh, because you know, it there's going to be a, a patron. It. it gets the yeah. shout out, and the listeners of this show, if they get a DM from yeah. Sarah M, they're gonna like, yes. wow, I know that's a real person. She listens to classic the time side knife. character from Into the Time Knife. Yeah, a good place where you wow. everybody knows Sarah M. Come on, I think what's gonna happen is the porn bot makes us think they're real by giving a few dollars for a mm-hmm. few months on the Patreon. And then when we think that this is a real person, separately, they'll begin an online DM relationship with the both of us, which nice. will become very intense, yeah. very emotional, very, and very sexual, very mm-hmm. quickly. Over a period of, I'm thinking, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of chatting, yeah. it's all going to come out quickly. And then suddenly, <laughs> before you know it, each of us are sending her $3,500 in the yeah. morning for some fucking eggs. We're sending her uh, $2670 for a pair of shoes. On a Wednesday afternoon. That's what's happening here, and mm-hmm. I will not let it stand. And I may have already sent a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you did too, right? We are bleeding money on Sarah M right now. <laughs> Hemorrhaging as an enterprise. Yeah, she keeps saying, I'm a patron. I'm a patron. I know dark shit about you guys. I'll leak it all <laughs> if you don't send me $600 for more eggs. Gotta have more Gotta eggs. Gotta have more Keep eggs. Keep those eggs coming, buddies. Sarah M. loves her eggs. Thanks, Sarah. Big fan. Enjoy your eggs. Stop calling my mom. Oh, I'm gonna move on from Sarah M. <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> riff. We'll probably keep up on that. I wanted yeah. to ask you a little bit more how you're doing. It's fall mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Fall is in full effect. I feel like we're both kind of starting to do some light fall activities. Mm-hmm. I did a lot recently. I know you went to see a scary movie in the theater, and we didn't quite get to talk about what you thought of the movie or what your mm-hmm. experience was like seeing a spooky movie in the theater. How was it? So I went to see Talk to Me, an A24 Pictures film. Proud to say I did not go see a single movie during the, the strike. But now that it's almost done, I don't I'm think crossing those lines. Would have had a problem with you seeing I, it, movie. It's personal. That wasn't one of the pers- things. My own personal picket line, Zach. Steven's still not going to Target because of the Pride <laughs> stuff from a few months ago. Yeah, <laughs> I'm only drinking Bud Light, no water, just exclusively just chugging Bud Light. But I went to see Talk to Me. It was really good, yes. scary. Which that movie is kind of blown off like wildfire. It was super small budget, a twenty four. Bought it and released it, which got some buzz for it. And then it kind of stayed in the top 10 of the box office for a really long time and was making all this crazy money off of a meager budget. Good for them. The practical effects are really good. Like, I think that's definitely like the standout of the film is how much the makeup department and the actors themselves do to create a really haunting, chilling, uncomfortable, but really good movie. I would give it a solid like eight out of 10. That's pretty good, but I feel like you're hesitating a little. Well, I had high expectations because I have pretty high expectations unfairly uh, for any A24 film these days because especially a scary movie. Like, I, I mean, after Midsummer and Hereditary, 
I have high hopes. I know that it's a studio and in Western cinema studio situations, they have less to do with the movie than the people like that are behind it. But I had pretty high expectations. The trailers were really good for this movie. It looked super scary. Didn't give you a ton of information, but looked freaky. Really good. But I will say the experience might have been soured a little bit, Zach, because I was spoiled during the pandemic that I was in a place that was Chicago where people were really conscious. And I would go see movies pretty regularly by myself during the part of the pandemic where you could like be out and about and do things as long as you were masked and safe. And I knew no one would be there. So I would go to the movie theater and I'd have the place to myself more often than not see movies. It was great. I might, you know, indulge in some snacks, some drinks, <laughs> some other things that I brought from outside that could fit in my little you know, tug fanny in your pack. Kiwi Herman a little bit. To... Exactly. I could do what I want. Nobody's in there. <laughs> to the I mean, I ordered food remake. six times. So the poor workers had to keep catching me, you know, with my hand down my throat. But what can I, I know do? my fries are done. I don't care if the chicken <laughs> tenders aren't done yet. I ordered the fries. I ordered first. the fries first. <laughs> I timed them. my order on purpose. <laughs> Give I need the atomic me. Oreo shake at the second <laughs> the bomb blast in Oppenheimer happens. <laughs> or else Trevor is not getting his 350 tip. <laughs> if I don't take a sip of that Paw Patrol themed smoothie the second <laughs> that Killian Murphy's inside of, uh, why did I forget Florence Pugh's name? Uh, then uh, I'm going to vomit. I was really hoping you were going to go with, like, an AMC exclusive Paw Patrol, like, cocktail. Like a, like a signature cocktail. <laughs> Oh, so I purposely pick my seats where I think no one will sit next to me. Like, I would rather have space than the best seat in the theater. At this point, I'm going to see pretty well. There are bad seats, but I don't select those, obviously. You know, I like to be either back top middle is the best seat in the theater, you know, pretty universally. I like to actually be in an AMC I don't theater agree. that's smaller. I like to be a little bit to left of center or right of center because then I can chill doing my thing. Not a lot of press around me. No paparazzi going to catch me. <laughs> Guys, please. Seat. I'm with my family. I'm trying to watch exactly. Paw Patrol, the mighty uh, movie. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go up to the top section, you know, be back there, have some more space. Maybe the couples will sit down front and smooch. Uh, tell me why. And you like to watch. You love to watch. I love to. I, I need to see it from behind. If I see it from the front, they get mad. It doesn't work for you that way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting in my seat. I get there about 10 minutes before the movie starts because that's when I like to, you know, chill out. I like to watch all the trailers, all that jazz. And I like time to use the restroom if I need to. So I'm sitting in my seat and I see them bring in like a bucket of popcorn and they're like, are you in B6? And I'm like, I'm in B2. And I'm like, fuck, why would somebody choose the same row? <laughs> when I bought my tickets, no seats were purchased in this theater. None. Zero. Not I've had this happen before. You're the only person in the theater, and then all of a sudden there's six people in the theater, and they're all where you're at. Why did they all choose to sit next to me? So a couple seat is there. Then they pick up – they walk in after the trailers start. They pick up their stuff and move to a seat in the back row in the middle. Then – And you stood up and said, um, actually, that's not allowed. These are assigned <laughs> well, seats. Well, my thought was, sit okay, nice. As long right as they're there. not loud, I don't care that they're behind me. At least they're not in my row looking at me because they will watch me. I do some weird <laughs> shit. But then a whole family that includes two, uh, like an adult couple and their adult daughter 
and her baby in a stroller. And they are very loud from the moment they walk in. They go up and guess what? The couple has sat in that family's seats. So then the couple has to move back to their seats. And then the family's Was there, there yelling. Was there a real loud, loud kerfuffle over the taking up of the seat? It wasn't quiet, but it wasn't aggressive. Like there wasn't any pushback. It was just, uh-uh, those sure are our seats they're in back there. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I hope they're going to move when we get up there. And then the baby starts making lots of noise. And the parents are talking really loudly. The parents of the adult daughter whose baby it was. And then another couple comes in, Zach, and sits right the fuck next to me. Then they get up and leave. Then they come back and sit next to me again and then move up to the front. So in the too end... Too much moving. Too, way too much moving. Just sit yeah. down somewhere. Also, yeah. why when you're ordering your seats do you pick the two seats that are between <laughs> everybody in the theater? Yeah. Well, wild. A and lot of the, people the... go to a movie to meet people. Let's just be honest. <laughs> no. They're trying to get laid. They see, oh, there's a single lonely, sad, sack of shit guy right here. I'll sit adjacent to him, uh-huh. so maybe we plow. Maybe we plow. Yeah. And, and then the couples were quiet during the movie. The family behind me was far from it. Lots of yelling, laughing. Uh, I think the highlight, not it's a brief, really mild, mild spoiler alert for Stop uh, having talk fun. to me. Very, uh, very light spoiler warning. Okay. There's a part where a girl sees like a spirit like sucking on a guy's foot and then is like trying to wake up the guy and he won't wake up. And then like the guy wakes up and like the girl is sucking on his foot. Like that's just a part that happens in the movie. Okay. The man behind me yells, she don't want to suck on that foot. I got something for her. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And this was a man that was very clearly there with his wife and adult daughter and grandchild. So I want to push this a little bit because I feel like in the past, <laughs> I've talked about how I like people to be respectful during movies. Mm-hmm. And you seem to be more on the side of like a sort of audience participation environment. I feel we like talked about a Broadway show, before. Zachary. A movie is different. And I'm okay with some huh. light commentary. I am black. But don't yell. And a scary wait, movie is wait, not the place. Wait, you think it's less you think it's more acceptable to make noise during a Broadway show where everybody paid a hundred dollars for their ticket. During songs everybody... you can sing. I don't think that's true. Like oh sure, anybody can sing. Sure, you can <laughs> sing. But I don't think I don't like that at all. It's not a concert. It is during the song part. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But think... it's it's different than a concert. But if in a you're movie, the only that a suspense is important. It. If you're you can't the make only noise. person doing it, in the then it's bad crowd. behavior. Yes. But if everyone's doing it, because what I'm saying is, it's so quiet that you can sing a little bit to yourself and everybody can hear it. Mm-hmm. I just think you're so wrong on this. We can't do this now. We can't do this now. I think don't in a, talk in a during comedy movies, movie don't talk during plays. or in a movie like Midnight Release, audience participation is okay. Midnight Release, the energy's there. I'll never forget seeing the Avengers and a big man in overall standing up and going, that's Captain America, boy. Just to so the collective that's okay, boy that was but the it's audience. not okay to talk about sucking on toes when toes <laughs> No, I think it was on. the fact that you. it was derogatory about sucking on this man's penis to the high school girl in the movie that was the issue for me. I'm done with that conversation, okay? <laughs> Let's move on. I, I want to talk lightly because I'm getting into the fall stuff too. Yeah. Yesterday, I carved a pumpkin for the first time in my entire life. In your life? 
You come yeah, from a white well, household. I thought you guys like did that we every day pumpkins. in October. I feel like I w- wasn't interested because I didn't have. <laughs> Were you not of... invited? It was like your parents and your older sister and your nieces and nephews and your friends, grandparents, best friends, significant their other. friends. No, and Zach's think... just looking in from outside. I think every. I think every year I'd want jack-o'-lanterns because you're supposed to have jack-o'-lanterns. So my mom would give me a pumpkin and like the carving kit and then I'd like get it and I'd be like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then she'd make one and it wouldn't look the way I wanted it to. So I'd be pissed ah! at her. And then it was the worst Halloween ever. 16 like, years Fuck, Connie, take an art class. <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. Don't you love your son? Don't you own a ruler? Those lines are weak. My pumpkin did not – you can tell that it's the first time I've carved a pumpkin. Yeah. I thought I was going to have to give up on it a couple of times, but it turned into a face. It's a face. Yeah. Did you draw an outline first or did you just freehand well, that shit? Well, the carving kit that we got came with some outlines. So I did use an outline as a basis, but then I nice. kind of just started hacking at one point. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i really bad at arts and crafts, but I, I like yeah. to do pumpkin carving. I've even done the thing before where you like save the pumpkin seeds and make some yummy pumpkin seeds afterwards. I actually at work <laughs> take the for a few years. We didn't do it this past seeds. year, but every other year for the most part, we've like gotten together and we like do like a scary movie night at the studio and like we all carve pumpkins and then we like put the pumpkins up like in the studio. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fun thing. And one year somebody did save the pumpkin seeds and she made like a bunch of different like flavors and like seasoned ones. And then I got to be like the taste tester and try them all, which okay. was fun. Yeah, what was it was the like best flavor. Time. Pumpkin uh, seed. I think there was like a lemon pepper type situation. You are really a lemon good. pepper boy. I'm a lemon it's hard pepper to go boy. wrong with some lemon pepper. Okay, yeah. so fall time is in full effect. I'm mm-hmm. very excited about it. We're talking about maybe next week scoring some tickets to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show with a shadow cast and Barry Bostwick, who played wow. Brad, will That's be cool. in attendance. And it's Barry Bostwick like is famous. Huge auditorium. That's really cool. I've yeah, never uh, seen yeah. a production of that live or otherwise i've seen bits and pieces of the movie you haven't seen it all the way through i've seen the how to live a better life episode and that's basically that's interesting because you have a very close and personal friend who has done it several times i know as a very prominent character i've performed a routine of time warp in which i did the time warp baker nary a show yeah i guess i haven't actually seen you do any professional dancing either Today we're going to talk about The Good Place. We're getting towards the end of season three. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and it's been a journey. It's been up, it's been down, and it's kind of reached a little bit of a plateau here where it's not exactly down, but it's Mm -hmm. not quite the highs that Jeremy Barramy and A Fractured Inheritance were. We're talking about season three, episode eight. Nine, chapter 35, don't let the good life pass you by. Zach, I'm going to throw a flag on the play because- Here, you do it. I need a second. Do your thing. You're saying that we're on in a lull after Jared. It, it fractured inheritance was two episodes ago. We've had one. We've recorded one episode of this show since the fractured inheritance. You're gonna say we're plateauing just because you weren't in love with the worst possible use of free will, which we both ended up saying that we liked. Zach, I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're undercutting where this season was is right now. Are you finished? Yeah. I see what you're saying, but my argument is that the season only has 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think one of those 13 episodes does kind of begin a pattern. 
I don't know. We haven't even started talking about it. This episode <laughs> was directed by Dean Holland, who previously directed someone like Buddy me Holly? as a member, Mindy St. Clair, The Trolley Problem, Jeffrey Janet D. and Michael, Morgan? The Burrito, and in oh, and Everything is Bonds are parts one and two. So this is his mm-hmm. last directing credit on the show, Dean Holland. Wow. Congrats, Dean. Well, job well done. Janet and Michael, The Trolley yeah. Problem, The Burrito, a lot of really great episodes in there. A lot of there. top tier. And outside of The Good Place, since this is the last time we'll talk about him, he has done two episodes of The Office, 27 episodes of Parks and Recreation, seven episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, eight episodes of the Netflix series Love, which we both hey, like love quite that a bit. Show. He did eight episodes. Those seasons were wow. short. That's quite a few episodes of that yeah. show. Yeah. He did eight episodes more recently of that Topher Grace show that recently got canceled, Home Economics, if you know about that show. Never met him. He and then also has done four episodes of a show that's on now with Gina Rodriguez called Not Dead Yet, and two Mm, episodes of Never Have I Ever. I think that might be Mindy Kaling's high school show. Oh, cool. I'm not sure. But that's Dean Holland. He's done some really great work both on and off of The Good Place. This is his last directing credit, so thanks for the work. He did a yeah. great job in all those episodes. Good job, Dean. Come on, come on the show. Let's talk about Please. it. Please. Yeah. Deanie boy. This episode was written by Andrew Law, who previously wrote What's My Motivation and Existential Crisis, and in great the future episode. co-writes the season four premiere, parts one and two, A Girl from Arizona with Cassia Miller. This episode, Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By, originally aired on November 15th, 2018. Ooh, and you know what that means? We're going to talk about what was going on. November 15th, 2018, on the screen and on the radio airwaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. Uh-oh. It's Thanksgiving time, kind of the holiday movie season. Uh, it's past yeah. the Halloween area. Now we're getting into the Christmas, end of the year, big movies. Mm-hmm. What, the number one movie. I usually make you guess what it is, don't I? The number yeah. one movie <laughs> is an animated retelling of a childhood classic book. Classic book. Hmm. Well, it's not Pinocchio. No. It's animated. Completely animated. <laughs> so it's not Maleficent. Uh, animated. No. Animated. Not Disney. This is a very old book that was first adapted into an animated special in maybe the 1960s. Hmm. Think holiday specific. Hmm. <laughs> a Christmas Carol. No, when I say a book, a children's book, a very <laughs> short book. How now, bro? Oh, my God. The Grinch? It was the fucking Grinch. Yeah, it was the Grinch. Why did it come out this weekend? That's the Tyler Creator Grinch. Yes. Well, I mean, I think you mean the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch. I mean the Tyler Creator Grinch. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, that was the number one movie. I did. We saw it in the theater, I think. It's fine. Did you like it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's fine. I don't remember anything about it. I think it's the third best Grinch movie. And there's three, right? Yeah. Yeah, and one of them is 30 minutes long. Yeah. I feel like I struggled to stay awake during it. I kind of remember mm-hmm. getting a little sleepy during that one. Well, there's lots of lullabies in this Grinch. <laughs> they went for a cash play and said, okay, bring your babies to this movie and we'll get them to shut the hell up for two hours. Did you see this Grinch? Have you yeah. seen the Tyler, the creator Grinch? What yes. do you think of it? I think it's the third best of the three yeah. Grinch movies. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that a couple times, didn't you? We're going to talk fine. about- The soundtrack's good. Rotten Tomatoes what they thought of this movie, both the critics and the audience. What do you think the critics thought about this modern-ish retelling of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I don't know. Did people like this movie? I don't know. That's what you're trying to tell us. Do you think they did? I'm going to say that the critics on Rotten Tomatoes 
would give this about a 59% fresh rating. Steven, mm-hmm. that's what it is. I, you're welcome. First try, 59% Ay, from Ay, the critics for Ay. The Grinch on Rotten Tomatoes. Excellent work. It means very little, right but that me. was great serendipity. Why is this reversed? What about the audience? Do you think the audience is higher or lower on The Grinch? Lower. I'm going to say much? not much, 54. You're really close. It is lower than 59. It's a little bit lower than 54. 50? The streak does not continue. No, it was 51%. 51. I almost said 51. On the Grinch. Well, you didn't. Letterboxd, the other way for the people, the cool mm-hmm. people, to rate their films. Yeah. I've translated this to out of 100%. What do you think the Letterboxd crew says about the Grinch? Well, here's the thing about Letterboxd. When yeah. you're scoring, you can only do whole or half numbers, yeah. whereas Rotten Tomatoes can very easily be a more specific thing. So I'm going to say, I when I make my move, I'm going to say... Well, here, that- I let me just first say, I see what you're saying, but I don't think that's a smart strategy because all the times a movie will have like a 3.2 the tenth of something, 3.1, 3.9, yes. 3.7... I got shit to do it. But here's what I'm saying, Zach. What are you saying? Is that especially is out of five, that gives you less less choices on what to choose, right? Which means that I'm not gonna run into threes. I'm not gonna run into fours on here. Nobody's picking a two flat for the Grinch. They're giving so. it. They're giving it at worst a two and a half. At best, a four. Well, out so of I'm gonna meet in the middle. What do you? And think I'm that gonna giving? say that this. Is sitting at a solid uh, out of ten. Oh, giving no! You out of a hundred. I've said so many times on yes. Letterbox. I've to make it go with the Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, all the same. I'd I'm transit. gonna say that this is sitting at a <laughs> solid. Yes, seven point two. That's not what you're supposed to say. It's a percentage out of a hundred percent. No, uh, much lower. Much much lower. Yeah, forty six percent higher. Higher. I'll keep on trying. Sixty percent. Did you just say sixty? <laughs> I feel like yeah. it started as fifty. No, fifty-six percent. Fifty-six percent. Okay, so like right Le in the Grinch. middle of the of Lo the Grinch. Uh, Los Grinch. Los Grinch. All right. Well, El that's Grinch. that segment. Well, no, that's not that segment because we've also got to talk it's about the number one album. Only halfway from November. Another half-assed job from Zachary PP King. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm the PP King. I'm not the podcast king. <laughs> I'm a meager podcaster, but I'm great with the PP. Great with. PP. So we're talking about Top the number notch. one album this week, which is an opera album. <laughs> um, slow is it news a day. New, <laughs> is it? Uh, is it the? Uh, new you know cast of modern? Carmen? No, it's a one artist. Andre it's Bocelli an album. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Andre Bocelli sings the blues. <laughs> no, no, not the blues. I think is Andre Bocelli male or female? He's a guy. I think he's singing opera. Do not you not blues. know who the fuck Andre Bocelli is? Isn't he blind? Led us to opera. Which was off of the album Quest for Camelot, him and Celine Dion. Or you might know, This is time to say goodbye. But he sings it in Italian. What I'm going to say, A Time to Say Goodbye, 
Redux. What? You're so close. The album is called C <laughs> by... <laughs> Because he's Henry blind Pichetta. now? I don't think he no, was always blind. No, I think it's, it's, spe- it's C is in yes in Spanish. Ah, because Italian. <laughs> yeah, it's called C because he's blind. <laughs> this album, <laughs> even though it was the number one album this week, yeah. there were very, very few, <laughs> if any, professional publications that reviewed this album. Mm-hmm. So usually we do a professional publication and then rate your music. We didn't have any, so we're starting with the audience rating from Amazon. People that wow. have purchased this album on Amazon. 5.0. Out of 5. You think they've given it a 5.0? I think, think all four no people that unhappy. bought and reviewed this. It was the number one album this week, so people did buy this. I'm sure many of them or on Amazon. Or did Andrea Bocelli just stream it 5 million times? Yeah, that's how it happens. Uh, Amazon, you think 5.0. 5.0. Five. For Mr. Uh, Bocelli. You're pretty close. Do you want to guess again? 4.8. Yeah, it's a 4.8 out of 5. Rate your music, however. The music snobs over there. Do you think they're sitting around a 4.8 for C by Andrea? A little lower. 4.4 for Mr. Andrea Bocelli. It is quite a bit lower. Wow. 2.9? To the 100th, but you got the first two right. 2.9.4? Ooh. eh, 2.96, obviously. Ah! I'll get so you, close. Matthew Gray Goobler. <laughs> yeah. Who produced the album C by, <laughs> yeah, by Andrea Broccoli. Okay, he so that's that segment. We're going to move in. We're going to talk about Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. Let's and what do better it. way to start that conversation than to hear Steven recap it for all of mm-hmm. us so we remember what happened in this episode before we yeah. dive deep into the trenches. Steven, you know it. You love it. Audience, it's time. Everyone say it with me. I know you always do. Okay, everyone. Everyone on three. We're going to say it. One, two, three. Did Steven watch Did the episode Steven this week? watch the episode this week? Before we move into the segment, I'd like you to give me a taste of... Andre and how do you is Andrea 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 Bocelli. I would like a little taste of Andrea Bocelli sings the blues. (laughs) Summertime and the living Jesus. (laughs) Oh man. That 4.8 really not starting to make a lot of sense from the Amazon <laughs> listeners. Is that a blues song? It's about... Oh, I left my lady. Is that a blues song? I know it's kind of in a minor key, but it's about summertime and how the living's easy. Fish are jumping and the river's high. That doesn't sound like blues to me. Anyway. Blues doesn't have to be sad. Steven, you've got 20 seconds <laughs> on the clock to tell us everything that happened and don't let the good the life pass you by. Blues have to be sad? How are you feeling? I'm gonna be real honest, Zach. Let's let's Please. let's break down the the fourth wall here for a moment. Okay. Uh, America, Argentina, Denmark. Oh, in that order, descending order. <laughs> in that order, and only you. Greenland. We originally were supposed to record this a few days ago, like almost a week. Yeah. But we've been we kind prepped, of like I've been getting hit with these allergy yeah. attacks, which you know I've been plowing through and doing the podcast mm-hmm. anyway, Stephen. 
on Monday when we were supposed to record said, my throat hurts, so he couldn't <laughs> record. <laughs> he couldn't sit here yeah, and listen to I me talk through an episode of The of Good Place for two hours, so he had to. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's like, it doesn't uh, matter what your kidding. voice sounds so like. So that mean? being said, yes, it's been extra time. We've come back and we've watched the episode another time. Mm-hmm. And I will be docking your grade no matter what for not showing up last week. I showed up. I was here. Yeah, you showed up, but we did, did you? a pre-show. Yeah, you were here, but were you? The patrons got to hear us last. Why week. did you want to break down the fourth wall? Naked because as my Cyrus I watched on the a episode ball? this most recent time, I don't. I it wasn't getting my one hundred percent full attention because we watched it a week ago. I yeah. can kind of relate. I paid like eighty five percent attention to it. I was eating dinner. I was also eating. You paid less attention. I can tell by the look on your face. Maybe a little. We're talking like mid-40s. I'd give it like a 53. The phone was out? Phone was out for part of it, yeah. The phone was in play. Mm -hmm. The phone was in play. Always is. But I think I'm going to do great this week, Zach. I don't think it's too meaty of an episode description-wise. I should be all right. Well, unlike you, because I have dedication to this show, mm-hmm. when I'm watching The Good Place in preparation for the podcast, if my partner, Neri, says one word, I pause the DVD and look at them until they're done, <laughs> and then I start it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, I do one better. I watch it by myself. Yeah. And if I say Neri a word, I pause it and look in the mirror until I'm done. You've got 20 seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you get at it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm going to do it. On go. A three, (laughs) two, one, go. Doug Forsett's been living alone and living what he deems to be the optimal lifestyle to make it to the good place. Janet and Mike can go to interview him to try and get a blueprint of how humanity can be saved. Meanwhile, Eleanor decides she wants to tell Chidi about the past when they were together, and the bad guys show up and fight save a door to the bad place, and then they kick their butts, send them back because Janet's awesome, um, and then they had, Sean has a Stop. hunch. What was the last thing you said? Sean has a hunch. Sean has a hunch. I think I'm going to strike that because I cut you off at 21 seconds. That was pretty Your good. Your timekeeping... Oh. Yeah, exactly. I am timekeeping. <laughs> I am time. Uh, I think the only thing you were missing is them going into Janet's void at the very end, which is in mm-hmm. the last moments of the episode. You got Doug Forsett. You got the life he's living. You got why Michael and Janet are there. You got the Eleanor trying to tell Chidi. You got everything going on. I guess you didn't get a Jacksonville pool is something mm-hmm. you could have said if you wanted to. I'm struggling to find many reasons to deduct you but you will be deducted for your lack of committal last week so that's a d plus this week. no i think that was really great i think i'm gonna give you an a thank you zach i think that's the highest grade i've earned on this show well i don't think the little things you left out even if the cliffhanger is a yeah. big thing it's so fast at the end i don't think you left enough out to even get an a minus i think you did an excellent job this week thank you zach Maybe that you should really not be good. able to do the podcast every week so then you can come back <laughs> raring and ready to go. Good yeah. job. Let's see if that continues into trivia. I've got quite a few questions. Okay. I think I have a handful as well. Okay. Why don't you go first well, and we'll, how just, many we'll fit just bounce in your hand. That doesn't really forth. tell me much I of anything. Decently, I can palm a basketball. You know what they say about big hands? Better podcast fireball murderers. Oh. <laughs> my first question then for you what time does doug's alarm go off in the morning uh 5 a.m yes 
my first question, what f- FM frequency was oh Doug's radio God. set to when he woke up? That's ridiculous. <laughs> 1700. Ooh, you don't know much about radios, do you, sister Not girl? AM. You said FM. I said Then FM. let me try again. Was it what you yeah. said earlier to me in private uh, when you said you were a radio station? Is it 96.3? No, not at all. 88. <laughs> <laughs> I was close. You were I had close. it this close. Are there FM radio frequencies that are just 0. .0, just the number 0. .0, or is it usually point? He something? had an old one, so you only saw the solid individual numbers. Okay. So it was stopped right on 88. Which you thought was I was going to remember that. You thought I was going to notice that and, and know it. Huh? I actually thought you wouldn't, so I didn't <laughs> ask the time. When was Doug's fateful mushroom trip? Did he give a whole date? Or just the year. year? Yes. Okay. That was one of my questions, I think, but I don't okay. know. You don't seem like it. <laughs> 1972? Yes. Good job. Oh, okay. I, I, in, my, in my mind, it kept being four, and I was like, no, no, it's two. Uh, where is Doug donating his radishes? Ooh. Well, to the Mollusk Foundation or something. Is it in Alberta? I like half of what you said. I don't like half of what you said. Pick which half you want to keep. <laughs> I don't know. Is it Alberta? Is it Alberta? No, you like the mall. I know it's definitely mollusk something. So you like that part, right? I'm so. Why are you being so cryptic right now? <laughs> what part do you want to keep? <laughs> the mollusks? Yeah. Wrong. The Alberta Food Bank <laughs> is getting the radishes. Wait, but he's taking stuff later. Oh, he's taking, he's taking lentils. like. like eight dollars and lentils no, it's a bag of lentils i think it's 80 do- it's more than eight dollars it wasn't a lot no. of money i don't know was that one of our questions? it was less than 100 no it's not yeah, well it's not one of mine what do they serve at the puking moose uh tahani really wants a specific wine and they say we don't have that we've got this 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 and this is that in your episode or was that a, a victim to the 46 percent attention being paid I have no fucking clue. That doesn't sound remotely familiar okay. to me, but that's Tahani mean comes that it up to the bartender. Episode. We'll talk about this scene later. And the only thing that they have on tap is a beer called Molson. They have Molson Light, Molson Dry, Molson Dark, Molson Wet, Molson Ice, and in their cocktail, the Molson Twins. They certainly did. That was not in my episode even a little bit. <laughs> and then she says, okay, we'll just take two pictures of Molson then. Interesting. Your turn. Really leaned into the Molson joke, yeah. huh? Why do Chidi and Jason go play pool? Why? Because mm-hmm. Chidi is looking forward to blow off some steam. I don't I like don't, that answer. I don't uh, like It was question. to get his blood flowing. That's He's like, you got to get your question. blood flowing. Let's go play That's pool. That's so dumb. I never want you to respond with, <laughs> I don't like that answer ever again. You say right or wrong. <laughs> Where is this coming from today? <laughs> He gets one A and he thinks he's king of the world. What does Doug need for snail first aid? Tape. I like half of that answer. <laughs> that's half Did of he the say answer. Duct tape and scotch tape. Mm-hmm. And... and that's really the only thing because he says pressure. And then Okay, I, I'm pressure. sure if he asked for something All else. I really wrote down was scotch tape. Scotch tape. How many dogs and wolves has Doug adopted? 71. Yeah, you got it, baby. Mm-hmm. Here's the toughie. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll be different because of things being cut out of your episode, potentially. Yeah. What are the final scores for Jason and Chidi in Jacksonville-style pool? Extra credit if you know what Janet scores. Chidi's is like in the millions. 
because he like got like that's four not million a good enough for answer. his first one uh-huh. and then, like 85 million on like the second i'm gonna one. need a solid number guess for each character we'll see i would have had to there. have been keeping track the whole time yeah, so well, jason they, i'm but... gonna say has 215 points chidi has 834 million and janet has 20 Jason came in at the end. He got 3,000, I believe, in the beginning, and then another 1,000 later on for a total mm-hmm. of 4,000 points. Chidi clocked out now with 800 million, with 35 million even. Mm-hmm. And Janet, she scores 300 points after doing something badass in the fight, which mm-hmm. Jason then says, wow, Janet, 300 points, best score ever. Mm-hmm. Which led me to believe that maybe the winner of Jacksonville Pool has the lowest the score. The lowest score. And that's how it was fun to play because they would all forget and give themselves really high scores every time. Well, if that's your logic, you would have been wins. wrong too because you said Jason had like 20. I said 200. Your turn. Do you but I more? also said Janet had 20. So come on. Listen. I have plenty more. How many said... points did Cheaty get for making the day. ball in the beer glass? Ooh. Was that one... 30 million points it was 30 million points because the other one's five how many years of fencing did tahani take i think it's 12 it is 12 nice including martin how many graves do we see of doves just how many Mm -hmm. i think it's five eight no (laughs) no (laughs) yeah what why eight not eight with like the funny headstones because i wrote them all down there's like four or five and then we see a shot of oh, all okay. of them lined up and there are eight fine of them. fine well then exactly. what else is in the animal graveyard that doug is set up do you remember what's on any of those other tombstones is that your next question or are you just yes. grilling me yes was it like a, another snail a centipede a roly-poly a rabbit a dog do you remember any of the names not at any all of the years nope Let's see, we've got Rosa Parks, The Deer Tick from 2007, Franklin Delano Raccoon from 2007, Abraham Lincoln, Einstein Mandela, The Goose from 2015, (laughs) and then Martin Luther, Gandhi, Tyler Moore, The Snail from 2018. Went a long stretch without any deaths. What does Michael tell Doug to eat? Turds? Is it turds and farts and poo-poo and pee-pee? Ooh, close. Uh, Are we looking for ice cream or chicken parm? Oh, tells Doug. I was thinking of Sean. No. Wrong character. Yeah. Can I get a do-over? Can we roll that one back? No. Your turn. (laughs) That's fair. What all did Martin the Snail teach Mm -hmm. Michael about? I don't remember. I remember that this scene happens. I don't remember what he says, though. Okay, you remember that the scene happens, but you don't remember that Martin the Snail taught Michael all about life, love, and the limits of scotch tape. (laughs) It's funny. I have two more for you. What does Jason define evidence as? It's not something good. It's something bad that you have to hide or else you go to prison. I will take that. You have to destroy. Okay. Destroy, you go to jail. Absolutely. It's a bad thing that you have to destroy or you go to jail. I have one more question for you. How long was Vicky in that cocoon? Like, does she say that? Yep. I was in there for... Two and a half years? Eleven Baramies. Oh, I don't think that's in my episode, honestly. I don't know if I believe that one, but okay. That's all my trivia. You have one more? One more. How long a break did Michael need from Jason? I just need 30 seconds. Yeah. That's a really funny bit. I, think we I don't remember well what you asked me to get. That's okay, buddy. Good mm-hmm. job anyway. Come on back. 
That's our trivia. Let's talk about this episode. Let's do it. Don't let the good life pass you by. As yes. we hear in the beginning of the episode, the Mama mm-hmm. Cass song, Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. What do you think of this one? What do you think of the follow through of we've got to go to rural Canada? What do you think about the reveal of what Doug Forsett is like today, that he's still alive and still kicking it based on his guests at the afterlife? How do you feel about this episode? I like that they bring this back because it's kind of a like throwaway joke at first and then they make it a real thing later on and then now we see the person and i think that that's really funny and clever that they built that up that way i like when shows do that where like a little thing that's made canon is then brought to fruition and we see it later on down the line i think that can be fun i think doug forsett himself is a fun character just because it kind of shows there is no like blueprint to a perfect life. Like even if you do all these things that we get more confirmation of this later on in this episode, we just kind of see that like, he's literally drinking his own like piss piss and shit to survive, to like be a good person. That sounds fucking terrible. Like this guy's life is miserable. Just trying to like break even because he's so scared of not, which like points to one of the larger things in the show later on in a unexpected way i think sure then maybe you see coming and I, and I like that i like that quite a yeah. bit i think that the whole scene at the bar i enjoy quite a bit i think the fight is really fun yeah it's a totally cool. different thing than what this show usually does we've never gotten an action scene like mm-hmm. this and talk about dean holland being a great director and this being his last episode there's some solid directing and choreography yeah. in that fight scene the way that it's played off you know whenever you see fight choreography on TV and films, it's footage that's sped up to make it look mm-hmm. more fighty. And this didn't feel cornally sped up. It almost felt like film cinematography. Totally. Film fighting just a little bit. I was so pleasantly surprised that the show could kind of tap into that a little bit and actually nail it. It kind of reminded me, I guess maybe we'll talk about it later, but it reminded me in moments of everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll take that 100%. Yeah. But what do you think about the episode as an episode of the show? Do you think it continues the season well? Do you think we're upping the ante as we get closer to the finale? Because I think it's a good episode. And honestly, watching it again today after a week, there were things I liked even more this time about Mm. it. But I do feel a little bit like this one that Doug Forsett could have been a much more dynamic character than what he is. They kind of just make him lame, and that's okay. But I think he has to be lame because the way he lives his life is incredibly lame. I just don't see any, like, real life him being aware of how miserable he is. He's not. I know. I, I Because if he acts miserable, and I can't then he's totally being ungrateful it. for all the luxuries that he has in his life. Yeah. And that's bad place behavior. I do like this episode. I think it's a pretty solid episode. I love Michael McKean showing up mm. as Doug Forsett. I think that's really great old Doug casting. Better Call Saul is one of my very favorite television programs of all time. He's very good in it as Chuck McGill, but he's much more known for his comedy career from mm-hmm. things like This is Spinal Tap and a lot of the films of... Turn it up to 11. I'm blanking on that director's name right now, the guy who did all of those movies. I think it's Christopher Guest. He's yeah. married to Jamie Lou. Cordis. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yes. cute. Yes. So uh, why did I bring that up? Nobody Doug knows. Doug Forsett. It's a good episode. Oh, yeah. Michael McKean. He was yeah. very good in this episode. And it's good to see him after something like Better Call Saul. This is probably during Better Call Saul, definitely. But it might mm-hmm. have been around the time that his time on Better Call Saul was coming to a close. Mm-hmm. 
So it's fun to see him really jump back into comedy. After <laughs> after playing a really intense character, it's fun to see him back in comedy because he really plays off the just loser, sad sack, getting bullied by a little kid and mm-hmm. being like happy about it. Doug Forsett is like the ultimate beta cuck male. And yeah. I think Michael McKean plays him really well. I think that this episode by itself has a lot of really good things and I really enjoy it. But when I think about the episodes that immediately proceed and especially the two episodes that follow this episode. Oh, definitely the next one for sure. I think it's part of the reason why I don't think of this one or even more so I combine this episode with other ones. With the Book of Dutts. It surprised me to see Doug Forsett actually show up in this episode because I just imagined Mm -hmm. that the one with Doug in the title would be that one. But I do remember kind of what happens in that episode. I know where we're going. Yeah. But let's get into this one. Let's talk it through. Let's let's do it. Take some time to really appreciate this episode and to see how it holds as its own piece in the story instead of, like you said, it's easy to just kind of mix it up with this ending section of the season as one of the pieces. Because I do feel like it feels a little like I don't know. It's good, and it's better than, like, a Donkey Doug episode that felt kind of inconsequential, but it does feel a little bit consequential because it's just moving the meter a little bit until Mm -hmm. the end of the episode. So the episode begins with a really nice talk about this kind of having some film vibes in the action scene. I think it also has some film vibes here where we're setting up the life of Doug Forsett without seeing his face at first. First, Mm -hmm. we see his alarm go off at a super early, reasonable time to start, like, giving back to the world. Six o'clock seems so much like a... I don't know, man. Starting your day every day at six o'clock and not because he you have a job to get to. I forget already. Was it, it five? was your question, Zach? <laughs> he gets up. He picks up. Do you think there's anything good place points related to the fact that he's picking a Mama Cass eight track or even the fact that he's using an eight track player to listen to his Maybe. music? Do you think that's tied into him? But why Mama Cass? Like I get the song being Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By, but Doug Forsett is a man who does not do anything just because there's a reason for it. I feel like there's got to be some reason why an eight track or the production of an eight track or the, that it wastes the least amount of something. Him not buying any new media. Yeah. Since Since the seventies. There you go. That's exactly what it is. He's not encouraging any mal run businesses and trades and things like that. Also, I'm not, well-versed enough to fully explain this, but the Mamas and the Papas, the band that Mama Cass was from, they have the California, California dream. And this, the Mamas and the Papas, that's not what they're called. Are they called something else? Or is that what they're called? Well, anyway, Out the group that does that song that Mama Cass is from, the guy who was in it, maybe they were married. Again, I don't know all the details. He was like a really abusive bad guy. Mm. And Mama Cass eventually died. So I wonder wow. if maybe that's why he's listening to her solo stuff. Interesting. I don't know. I just thought really deep into everything that Doug Forsett does because he's an interesting character who doesn't Bo, do but he's not dynamic enough. Oh. <laughs> I'm just analyzing his every action. <laughs> so he makes tea. He reads a book by Peter Singer, I noticed, or Siner. I don't know mm-hmm. that author, but I'm sure it's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, he works on like solar panels outside. He harvests his radishes, and he puts them in jars to take them to the Alberta food bank Mm -hmm. and he also like i like watching him methodically on his plate cut up one radish to eat it with a fork and knife he sits and he journals and as he does there's a knock on the door and it's michael and janet (laughs) i I think michael's funny here hello hello hope we have the right house i'm looking for a doug forsett i'm doug forsett wow 
Oh, yes. Yes, you are. Sorry. Um, I'm a reporter for the Calgary Times Examiner. Oh. My name is uh, Michael Scoop. Mm -hmm. This is my photographer, Janet Scoop. She's my sister with the Scoops. Oh, boy. <laughs> And they ask him because they want to use his blueprint to learn what they need to do and move their thing forward. They ask him if they can do a report on him and his off-the-grid lifestyle that they're really impressed by. And he's, of course, flattered. I think it's really wholesome that the first thing he asks is if their newspaper is made with recycled paper. And, and Michael says, oh, yeah, very recycled, the <laughs> most recycled. And he invites them in and they take his photo. I think this is a really cute moment, him asking to take the picture of Doug for the newspaper, but he wants him to recreate the 70s picture of Doug and having him, okay, turn your head a little bit and lift up your chin <laughs> and perfect. I think that's a really cute moment, having him I think recreate the photo. Too. And you can see the resemblance when he does, I think. Mm -hmm. After that, we're in Doug's living room, and he tells them the story of his fateful mushroom trip in 1972. Talking about a mushroom trip on NBC, I feel like isn't something that happens too often, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, progressive. He said that while he was tripping, he talked for an hour laying every detail out. And we knew that from the yeah. first episode, that he's the one guy that got high on mushrooms and just figured it all out. But that's the end of the story as far as we know. Mm -hmm. Of course, it makes so much sense that if he felt convicted that he truly knew what happened and how to get to the afterlife, that he would live his entire life obsessed with doing everything and letting everything go and living to be this sad, old, lonely guy who eats nothing but radishes. And it's just the weight of knowing, <laughs> the weight of knowing yeah. the answer to these questions that people aren't supposed to know. It'll drive a man crazy. And we see well, here we that saw it kind what of it did to Cheedy. And we saw what it did to Eleanor and Jason and Tahani Didn't when really they do found that much out. to Jason. I don't even know if Jason is quite on the same page yet, if he Not gets any of it yet. But we saw what it did to Chidi. Yes. And how he felt about affecting those around him. They went through that with other people. He went mm. through that alone because, as we learned, the other guy had a very different type of trip. <laughs> yeah. Everything <laughs> was, was ears? Is that what it was? I think that's was what it was. Everything, everything was, was ears. Everything was ears? Yeah. <laughs> so since scary. then, he's lived his life according to what he saw then, except for the first day, which, he, what do you say, he spent it like petting a blanket. He could only watch kung fu movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and petting, yeah, some kind of animal. And he's trying to maximize his point total. He's sure, because I'm sure a lot of people in his life that hear this think he is crazy, even though he's right. He thinks that they'll think he's crazy, but they don't. They understand mm -hmm. the scoops. We understand more than you could possibly know. It's <laughs> like, okay. And my gratitude to the whole Scoop family. <laughs> and then he gets paranoid, Doug does, because, oh, you've been sitting here for a couple minutes and I haven't offered you any food or drink. And gets them water. He goes off to get them water. What does he say? Can I get you water? Radishes? What else does he say? Does he say something else? He might say lentils, but... Michael, when he leaves, he starts fangirling. And I think it's really cute. It's like, oh my god, he's so down to earth for a celebrity. He's so amazingly down to earth. I love that Doug Stars, they really are just like us. The stoner that figured out the afterlife is in his <laughs> mind, like meeting Tom Cruise or something, and he's just yeah. freaking out at how cool he is. Yeah, and Janet says, thank goodness he had that realization and not Randy's, where everything was ears. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and Michael, he's very convinced that Doug is the blueprint. They're going to follow him around, know how he lives his life, and that will lead to them getting everybody in the good place by knowing how to live this life and, and no having the knowledge that Doug Forsett has. So he returns with water, and they stop talking for the moment. He says, okay, guys, I've got ice cubes for your water if it's too hot and koozies <laughs> if it's too cold. 
<laughs> and Michael takes a sip. I forget what he says. He's kind of he's like, like mm, interesting flavor. Is this from a nearby river? Interesting aftertaste. Is that from a nearby river? Oh no! Why take fresh water away from the beavers and the fish? Uh, no, I have my composting toilet hooked up to a water filtration system. One man's waste is another man's water, mm. and both men are me. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. You think so? I think it would make more sense for him to get ocean water and distill it himself. But the, the taking the water away from the ecosystem. You think there's it's, so much fucking water in the ocean. There's we there needs to be less water in the ocean. Well, actually, yeah, but think of, because the ice caps are melting, causing the ocean levels to rise, causing Florida and California. Think to of how sink. much water a person uses for all the different things, mm -hmm. and over a lifetime, how much that would accrue. Yeah. I wouldn't do it, but I get why. You can keep it totally contained to yourself. It's got I already to do love piss. being drenched in piss. Why not shower <laughs> in my own piss? I guess. Everyone likes their own brand. So we cut away from that for a moment to the B story, which is really slight in this episode until all of a sudden it isn't at the end mm -hmm. of the episode, where they're hanging out at this bar in rural Canada called the Puking Moose. This is the scene that must not have been in your episode. Tahani comes up to the bartender, and it's really funny here. She says... I just am in desperate need of a tawny port or any dessert wine will do. Is that in yours? Maybe. That's the Molson. It was like, oh, no, we don't have that. We don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, we have Molson, Molson wet, Molson dry, Molson hard, heard Molson soft, Molson, I don't know. <laughs> That's when Chidi says, you know, I'm excited to relax. I've been really jet lagged. Do you have the line where he speaks nonsense? See, mine starts when he's like, wow, I'm so jet lagged. I, I can't, can't even, even read Gender my, my dwarf. dwarf. Mm-hmm. And then after that, funnier than that, when he says, I don't even know what I was trying to say. <laughs> Jason recommends maybe a game of pool will help get his blood flowing. And they step away to play Jacksonville-style pool, while Eleanor kind of looks longingly at Chidi as he goes through his thing and decides to ask Tahani for some advice. I can relate to Jason there because I learned to play pool at the local boys and girls club. And we did not know any rules, and we're not good at using the pool sticks, so we would just use our hands to throw it really hard and the ball. make the ball go in, yeah. And did you have a point system attached to that like Jason does? Not quite did the same. Did somebody win at that, or was somebody it just won. kind of... Well, normally wow. two people started fighting before we could finish a game. Well, you know the boys and girls club. Always fighting in the pool room. Really? Yeah. You spend a lot of time at the boys and girls club growing up? I did. My uh, mom's ex-husband worked there. He was often the one fighting the kids. You know, it's him going, going hands up, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> yeah, pop. he was in charge of the pool room, and that's yeah. why it turned into the hottest fight club for <laughs> underage kids in town. Exactly. Eleanor asks Tahani for some advice, and when she says that, Tahani says, oh, is it about your grading voice? Finally, yes, I have many ideas. If you take a couple <laughs> lessons. No, 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 it's not. It's about cheating. And we kind of cut from that. We'll talk about that later. Tahani mm -hmm. has some good moments of supportive friendship in this episode, yeah. I think. This is a decent Tahani episode. Back at Doug's compound, he's giving them a tour of the grounds. And Janet asks him if he lives a lonely life, which you would think he would. But no, he feels very happy. He has a very full life. And he has many friends, like this friend, the snail <laughs> that's on the ground. I like here, and then it kind of contradicts it later, but he says he doesn't name any of the animals in case they already have a name that they mm -hmm. prefer. But then when they die, he gives them names. 
Yeah, because he doesn't know the name. So he gives them one that the he thinks embodies what he knew I about I get it, them. but then why bother not naming them while they're alive? Because while they're alive, they might have one that they care about. But when they're dead, they don't give a shit, Zach, because they're dead snails. No, but he's, he says, I like to imagine that they were the best snail that ever lived later on. That's why he gives yeah. them the name. Why did he not imagine it was the greatest snail that ever lived while it was still alive? Because it had preferences while it was alive, Zach. It's a little convoluted. It's a little complicated for me. You don't understand anything about snails. Michael asks Doug about his garden and how impressive it is, his organic garden. And he, Doug, I like this detail. He kept the radishes because they were there when he moved in. There was already a radish garden. Mm-hmm. And he thought it would do more damage to get rid of the radishes than to just keep it going. And then meanwhile, he also grows lentils because they have the smallest carbon footprint and they have very little water waste. And I get that. That's nice to work that into your diet a lot. Now, that's not all a person should have. You know what I mean? Like, you should be sourcing protein somehow. It's nice to have things that have a very small carbon footprint. As much as we can lower our individual carbon footprint, the better we lower our collective carbon footprint. So you would eat just lentils and radishes to do that? Don't give a shit. No. (laughs) Not at all. One of my worst traits is that I don't care as much about the environment as I should. I care more than I used to. Teenage Steven? Steven's just not quite convinced if global warming is real or not yet. He hasn't seen enough evidence. I mean, we had an ice age, Zach. Yeah, I live in Chicago. It's cold as shit. Yeah. (laughs) Global warming. Uh, But I care a lot more about the environment now than I used to. But you're just not willing to like do anything about it. Not that. I'm not gonna fuck with my food. Yeah. (laughs) Janet says he only eats lentils and radishes. And Michael, who's still starstruck, says, no, no, Janet. He also consumes his own waste, so it's fine. (laughs) Back to Jacksonville Pool in the puking moose. There are Mm -hmm. no rules at Jacksonville Pool, dog, Jason says. Uh, And I am 100% sure that that's not true when he says there are no (laughs) rules to pool. I'm positive that there are. But Jason teaches him his way of pool, Jacksonville Pool, which is just doing what you want. Throwing a ball in a hole, assigning points. Points are made up. It's very. What more do you need? The whose line is it anyway edition of pool where exactly. everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> and Eleanor is talking to Tahani still and explains the full thing, the love scenario that she saw mm-hmm. the past where she and Chidi were together and in love and Chidi doesn't know and how conflicted she is with all this. And I really like what Tahani has to say here. Well, first, Eleanor, the way she describes it. When is the right time to tell someone you are passionate lovers in an alternate timeline in the afterlife, but he doesn't remember because technically none of that happened in this strand of the multiverse? You know what? I'll just check with Yahoo Answers. I'm sure someone's weighed in. (laughs) Tahani, well, first, before she gives good advice, she just kind of toots her own horn that she was asked for advice and says, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm sure in all of the reboots, the common thread is that you and I are always the very best of friends. And the big thing that she says here that I think stands out to Eleanor is I don't think you'd be asking about this and if you should tell Chidi if you weren't convinced that it's still going on now or you don't want this to happen again now, which makes a lot of sense. I think Tahani has probably seen this brewing for a while Mm -hmm. because they're talking about being lonely. This is back in Australia. Being lonely, having the horn dog feelings. But also, she can see how she looks at Chidi. She spent time with them. She knows how much they mean to each other. It's likely even more simple than that. I feel like Tahani just thinks, well, Chidi is either gay or in love with Eleanor because he hasn't done <laughs> anything to me. <laughs> I could buy that. Yeah, but I think that's true. Michael never says anything about 
well, is Eleanor in love with Chidi now? He doesn't really care or get stuff like that. But mm-hmm. Tahani's like, well, why are you asking these questions? If Chidi doesn't know, why would he need to know unless you're hoping something happens once exactly. he knows? Exactly. And she also says that no matter what, it's always nice to tell people how you feel and to get that off your chest. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. And Eleanor appreciates that and says, oh, and by the way, you were really hot as a centaur. I Doc says, what? But she doesn't know about that. Yeah. So I'd be she's it. just told that out of nowhere. <laughs> like a centaur? What do you mean? <laughs> Janet is telling Michael back at the compound that Doug isn't what she thought he'd be. This life isn't what she thought it would be, and it doesn't quite smell the way that she thought it would. But Michael isn't convinced yet. He seems perfectly stable. As we walk to his stable of animals, where we learn that he rescues every single stray animal that wanders on the property, including his 71 dogs and wolves. Do you think the dogs and wolves also eat only radishes and lentils? Well, yeah. And each other, probably. Yeah, because they're hungry. After only getting lentils and radishes for a while, they just start <laughs> eating each other. We see this teeny tiny little cute dog. I've been mauled several times. Uh, this little guy here might look innocent, but boy, he goes right for the squeaker, if you know what I mean. Like, Do you know what that means? It's my penis. And then he says, I'm so- is this in yours? Yeah. He says, I'm sorry that I said penis if it offends you, but I'm not sorry if it doesn't offend you, which is like what every 15-year-old boy says on Snapchat. Yeah, in, to me at least. I'm sorry if this offends you, but I'm time. not sorry if it doesn't offend you, Wink, if you're into it. My squeaker. The purple devil emoji. So they talk about a squeaker for a second, and then this is a really funny bit. When a young boy named Raymond bikes up to the crew, and Doug says, oh, great, this is awesome. You'll get to see Raymond. He's this <laughs> local sociopath who comes by my house to torment me. And he does. <laughs> and Doug clearly does this boy's laundry and Raymond just, like, asks him on a dime to do all of these weird things. Like, hey, take off your shoe and give it to Michael. And Doug starts to, and Michael's like, please don't give me your shoe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want your shoe. Then He's give like, me your shoe because I'll be sad if you don't give me your shoe. So he does, and he gives him his shoe. Then Raymond just throws it. Little cunt-ass kid. Yeah. <laughs> all the homies hate Raymond. Yes. But Doug is not he's not concerned about how miserable he is. As long as Raymond's happy, that's how I get the points. That's how he gets and then the he points. Walks away to get his shoe back, and he clearly steps on some broken glass or something. And <laughs> oh, and that's a bleeder. That's <laughs> a bleeder. You hear that? that sounds awful. Yeah. So then inside, Janet finally has a way to explain what she's kind of been feeling about the Doug situation since they've gotten there. That Doug has become a happiness pump which mm-hmm. does not actually turn out to be something as fun as it sounds. You know, Zach, you've stood in as my <laughs> happiness pump several times, and you've always left me feeling just gleeful <laughs> as a pig in shit. <laughs> well, Janet says that a happiness pump is someone who is so obsessed with maximizing the overall good at his or her own personal expense. Mm-hmm. But I've got like three or four happiness pumps under <laughs> my bed right now, and that's not what it is. Not what they are? To write us in, what's your happiness pump? Do you like to pump? <laughs> Hashtag pump and what make you pumps happy? your happiness with Zach and Steven for our new self-help podcast. Zach and yeah. Steven pump you so dry. <laughs> just, just pump That's you. That's it. Zach and Weekly Steven on pump Oprah you. Winfrey's podcast network. Hey, talk to us, Oprah. Come on. So just as they're talking about how miserable Doug's life is because of all the good he tries to do, Doug comes in and proves it when he's got all these markings all over his face. First, you kind of think he got, like, clawed up by something. But no, mm-hmm. he's testing makeup so all the animals don't have to test makeup. I know. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, is that really bad Clawing? blood makeup? No. no I was like, it's, oh, no. It's, 
this makeup and because they're testing it on him, a human, before they normally would, it's burning the shit out of his face. But not the animals. Yeah, you'd think it's fun. It is fun for the animals who don't have to do it. For me, it's like (laughs) wearing a mask of fire. Oh, would you like to move in permanently or maybe some more water or a kidney? That's when he says that. And Michael and Janet, who are getting kind of weirded out by this, were actually on their way out when Doug kind of levels with them and tells them that he was really nervous to like let people in and to open up and he kind of wasn't sure if he could trust them or not when they showed up but he's actually starting to feel really glad that they're there and his nerves are passing and this is becoming meaningful for him and then he says yeah Janet just it's so great to meet you and Mark also Mark and that breaks all of it like any normalcy that happened here for a second oh my god I called you Mark your name is Michael he instantly spirals into this really funny like oh stupid stupid oh man i i you haven't called you mark and then of course michael just wants to make this crazy man this depressed guy feel better so he just says oh you know i like mark maybe i always kind of wanted to be mark and he just gets further and further (laughs) you're lying you lied no i'm making you lie i'm accusing you of lying it's a really funny (laughs) bit where michael mccain really gets to show off for a second Mm -hmm. watching the episode again today after taking a week away i really realized how funny this bit is yeah so he goes off the only thing he can do to make this up is to give michael a really good haircut Mm -hmm. so he walks off to get that stuff and then crack oh no what is that and then it gets even worse like it was talk about 10 to 11 far worse than name he took an 11 yeah he took a life so he steps on this snail and he spirals even further. He's crying. He's on the floor. Do any of you know anything about snail first aid? And Janet, Janet. says yes. But then, oh, no. Never mind. <laughs> of course she knows everything. It's like, okay, guys, I'm going to need scotch tape and apply pressure. Crack. Oh, too much pressure. Too much pressure. I'm going to need that tape, guys. I really would like to see his past relationships with the other animals that we see that passed away. Cause like the raccoon, I'm sure the raccoon was just coming in his house and eating all his shit and just making a mess. And then he named it after Gandhi. Yeah. Cause he's not eating anymore. <laughs> he has his freak out over the snail. And for a second, we leave that to go back to the bar where Jacksonville pool is continuing. Chidi throws a ball and it lands in a glass of beer, which scores him 30 million points. How did that not absolutely shatter the glass. It's all about touch. It's all about softness, Zach. You got to be gentle with your shot. If you just throw it the fuck in there, have too high an arc, too much velocity. But if you have it soft so there's roll and you want some rotation coming towards you, uh-huh. it's going to hit the edge of the glass and, and shatter roll it. roll <laughs> back down towards you. It's going to slow down. Okay. Well, if anyone knows anything about soft touching, it's yeah. Steven. So I guess I trust you. Yeah. So yeah. 30 million. Otherwise, you'd be in pieces, impressive. Zach. So Eleanor decides it's time to talk to Chidi and steps over to grab him. And he has a funny line talking about the game. What are you guys doing? Oh, I either know exactly what I'm doing and it's something or we're doing nothing and I'm winning. Congrats. So Eleanor takes him aside and they get a booth and she's trying to say a thing, but she's stumbling over her words. Chidi gives a very cute look when he says, you're giving off a very me vibe right now. <laughs> and so she begins to say, okay, Uh, finally okay you know what michael showed me some stuff and in that thing you and i were baba john as she notices (laughs) baba john which this is such a great 
they set this up last week by Bomba John and Vicky being in mm-hmm. that teeny tiny memory where she says, yeah. hi, Bomba John. Hi, Vicky. So she knows the two demons and knows that his name is Bomba John. Mm-hmm. It's a really good way to play yeah, off of very the smart. little knowledge that Eleanor has. And GD is jet lagged and crazy. So he says, oh, yeah, you're right. We are kind of Bomba John, you and me. That's a good point. But no, there are demons, Bomba John, and all of these demons that she recognizes are there in the bar, and then once they notice that they're there, they notice that they're all staring at them, and Eleanor says, okay, uh, I can't really explain, but you and I, we just gotta get out of here right now. And things are starting to ramp up. This is really the point of the episode where things start to have some forward momentum and really get exciting. Mm -hmm. I have a question, because I wanted to check the first time I watched the episode, and I forgot to check this time. Is the bartender her go to the gym soulmate the whole episode or just at the end it wasn't in the molson bit okay so they came in, in your episode like, it was a different guy they killed that guy huh the humans are really in some deep shit and for once they're cosmic protectors michael and janet they're not there they're yeah. in a totally different place have no idea what's going on in fact they're busy with a snail funeral right now where we see that doug does name things he gave the snail the name i forget what it is it's like martin luther martin luther gandhi tyler moore yeah What's funny here is obviously Mary Tyler Moore from the mm-hmm. Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, a huge feminist icon television character. Michael McKean was one of the supporting actors on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, that's cute. So this is just a little nod at his tenure on the Mary, Mary Tyler, Tyler Moore, Moore show. Moore show. show. Really funny. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it. There's some really funny stuff. You ever seen Ally McBeal? No, but Portia Durazi. I know a young Portia Durazi is in it. Funny show. It's like a okay. baby head thing. Huh? Adam McBeal is like a baby thing. Like a baby, baby thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, the snail, the Tyler Moore snail. <laughs> Come on, Allie McBeal baby head. You don't know about the Allie McBeal baby head? I, smoking a cigar. That's like you're smoking a cigar. <laughs> I'll tell you about the goddamn Allie McBeal baby head. <laughs> that the 80s. was comedy. It was the 80s. Everyone was coked up. <laughs> Babies everywhere. Doug imagines that this snail was the greatest and most talented snail ever to have lived. So he encourages Michael to step up and say a few words where Michael laughs at it. And then, oh, no. Oh, okay, you're serious. And Michael gives a speech that, I don't know, he says words in his Ted Danson way that makes it sound fancy. But he really just says, he just kind of makes a joke about the snail being crushed in the scotch tape not holding. Doug wishes the snail happy, slimy trails and he's off to the Canadian Mollusk Association to make a donation in Edmonton. This is what I was getting caught up on mm. earlier. And it's he's going to walk there, and it's a three-week walking trip. But it's going to take even longer because he's just taking these teeny tiny steps not to crush anything. He says, heads up, coming through. Here comes a shoe. That was my favorite <laughs> Michael says, hey, buddy. Maybe before you tiptoe 300 miles to give $80 and some lentils to a mollusk association, can I ask you a few more questions? Because now he's convinced that he can get Doug to maybe loosen up a little bit and enjoy his life a little more. And Doug will do anything to make someone happy. So he agrees Mm -hmm. to a few more questions. Eleanor, in the moments that she has to work frantically, as that's happening at a slower pace elsewhere in Canada, she's frantically gathering Tahani and Jason, along with Chidi, to get the fuck out of here because there's all these demons. Hey, guys, having fun? Cool, cool, cool. So we need to get out of here immediately because this bar is full of demons. I don't know. Just because these people are wearing cheap leather and stonewashed denim, they're still part of the Queen's realm. Calling them demons is a bit much. (laughs) That's really funny. 
They try to bail, but Jason's not going to let them run. And they really couldn't have run anyway. But Jason mm-hmm. makes sure they can't when he very, very quickly has a Molotov cocktail ready, yells Bortles. And I really like the film way this is shot of mm-hmm. someone grabbing it as he's throwing it and extinguishing it, I think is really satisfying. I agree. The demons put it out. They're grabbed and held. And then Sean arrives. I really like how Sean has this big epic. It's me. But they have no idea who he is. So I know. He's like, I bet you weren't expecting to see me here. (laughs) He says, oh, right. You don't know me. I'm Sean. You are very scared of me. (laughs) And he only has one question. Where's Michael? Well, Michael is focused on this loser, Doug Forsett. He could be the savior of all humanity, and he's going to walk for three weeks because (laughs) driving a car or taking any other form of transportation is too bad. So Michael's focused on that. He's trying to explain to Doug that he can take it a little easy. And Doug says, I know. I know what you're saying. I should donate more blood. But listen, I'll try. But the last time I went, they told me I was too anemic, and they ended up giving me blood. That's a really funny joke. Here's maybe the beat in this entire episode that I get the least. Mm -hmm. Michael's starting to give Doug his speech, and he starts talking about, oh, I'm a reporter, and I've been all around this little blue marble, and I've seen regular folks, and regular folks are more to them than meets the eye. And then there's like an awkward pause. He like loses his thread, and he says, oh, wait, uh, oh, okay, okay. And then he starts talking specifically about Doug. I don't know. It's just this weird little tear. So he like says, I don't quite get it. some of them even have mystical powers. Like he's trying to like. Is that what he says? Something like that. And Janet nudges him. I don't know. It was a weird beat. Track. I didn't quite get. I don't know why he here. did it because no yeah. one has magic powers. I think he was trying to insinuate that Doug is right, but he's like fine. Like he's living a good life. I know what you yeah. know, and you can take it easy, bud. I get that. Mm-hmm. It was just an awkward beat to convey it. I'll agree. It. I'll pick up what you're putting down. I'll lay down a domino on top of that domino. You will. Yeah. Lay a domino down on it. I don't know how Mahjong is played. No. I don't think anyone does, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They're just making a lot of noise and throwing shit. Well, Michael gets the thread back, and he says, Doug, you're so dedicated to making others happy. You've done so much of it surely you've earned enough points by now. You're getting older. Just coast. Just live a little. Eat some chicken parm. What was the other thing? Ice cream. Go eat something besides lentils. Like radishes? No, no, (laughs) Doug, damn it. Just have ice cream. Drink regular water that wasn't inside you. (laughs) Really great Ted Danson deliveries here. I love it. I actually wish Doug would have stuck around more than he did because... Mm -hmm. I'm kind of coming around on Doug now that I'm talking through the episode. He is dynamic. I like the dynamic between him and Michael because Mm -hmm. Michael is like annoyed by him, but is also starstruck by him. And Doug Mm -hmm. is just this mop bucket of a person. So Michael has a good point here and he does know more than Doug, but Doug has a good counterpoint that he can't risk it. What if Mm -hmm. he does nothing for the rest of his life and it loses just enough points I think it's really important that he mentions that there's a soulless accountant out there who doesn't care about all the goodwill Doug built up. They just care about cold, hard numbers. And if they got the points or didn't, if they lose the points, doesn't matter what you did. You're out of here. So he's got to make every moment count. So he's going to Minecraft walk mentality. Three weeks. Explain that. What do you mean? So in Minecraft... When you're mining, let's say that you're yeah. someone who's strip mining, where you like take that's why they call it Minecraft because exactly. you're, you're digging crafting. a hole just to maximize how many diamonds you find, right? Sure, you can't stop because what if right behind the block that I was about to break, there's diamonds? 
okay, I break that one out there. But what if it's one behind that one and there's diamonds? So you have to keep going and going. And then you find yourself three hours in digging in a straight line, wondering why the hell you're here looking for diamonds. But you keep going because you can keep finding more, Zach. Exactly. You I've never played a, hard a second of Minecraft. Really? I've probably played more Minecraft than any other game in my life, and that's saying something. It would have given Doug something to do for his three-week walk, too, to just load up. Minecraft might not be good place behavior. The guy that invented it said some pretty not great things. Yeah. Back at the puking moose, <laughs> someone asked Sean, why don't you just send us to the bad place? But it's very clear that that has nothing to do with it anymore. This is all about revenge. Sean wants to see the look on Michael's face. It's the best part of his job, seeing the look on people's faces. Mm -hmm. Then there's a classic Eleanor moment of blind confidence beginning her, well, Michael and Janet are so far ahead of you. We already sent them a secret code. They're on the other side of the world. We can sit here as long as you want, but you will never, ever, ever see Michael or Janet again. That was rough. Total bust. Ah. Doug is a complete disaster. And I drank his piss. <laughs> Hearing Ted Danson say piss is really funny. That's television Hall of Fame material mm -hmm. right there. And that he walks in and says exactly what contradicts yeah. what Eleanor was saying. That, oh, they got all the things that they need from Doug Forsett. Comes in and is like, that guy's a disaster. <laughs> but then he walks into the room, he looks around, and he notices Sean, and he goes cold. And for mm -hmm. this moment, Sean does have a pretty big win. He's got them cornered. Yeah. There's no way out of this situation. And he says, see the look on his face? <laughs> so Sean calls him a hemorrhoid? He calls Michael a hemorrhoid in this moment. And he says, I'm going to end this charade. It's time to end this for good. Vicky is here. She's out of her cocoon, and she's ready for revenge. A, she's been practicing this Canadian accent that <laughs> she thinks she's getting really good at. So Sean kind of goes through this, like, Miranda rights kind of thing where he says, these people are direct property of the bad place, so I will be taking them there. And then Michael starts quipping back at him, and then Sean starts quipping at him, and they're just throwing these, like, dad, well, you did this, well, you did this. And then this is where the fight begins because they're just mm – -hmm talking shit at each other and janet says screw this let's fight and throws a punch legendary this is like a shining star janet moment before the most shining of all janet moments absolutely is this a shining star janet moment mm -hmm. she fights her way through all these demons and then jason jumps right in as well jacksonville style punches sean like straight in the neck it's really <laughs> brutal eleanor's ex-demon pops up shirtless of course he's got mm -hmm. bad news he's been at the gym a lot and then it's comical the way he grabs Chidi in the way that he's just dragging Chidi yeah. across the floor towards the door. In this sequence, this fight sequence, all the demons, these doors keep popping up. And we're trying mm -hmm. to bring the humans through the doors to the bad place. And we're trying to kick the demons through the doors so they aren't here anymore. And it's a fun struggle. And the CGI yeah. doors popping in and out make for a fun end goal of this to like push all the I bad guys so, through the sure. doors. I really like it a lot. So the guy's dragging Cheaty through. Eleanor hops behind the bar and kind of hides there so she can help Cheaty from being dragged through the door mm -hmm. and grabbing on him while Janet keeps at Vicky and Bombajon and everyone's kicking ass. Like all of these side characters like yeah. Vicky and Bombajon are having their intense action star moment. Tahani pops up with the pool cue and uses the pool cue to save Cheaty hitting, what's his name? It's not Trent. What's the ex-soulmate's name? Do you know? I don't remember. I wanted to say Trevor, but he's not Trevor. It might be no. Trent. No, because that was Rhonda, Diana, Jake, and Trent. Damn. 
Skyler. Tahani uses the pool cue. She mentions her 12 years of fencing to take Skyler out, even though that would be a three-tenths point deduction if mm-hmm. she was at a fencing competition right now. While all this is going on, Janet just keeps obliterating the room, kicking ass. And then Eleanor's ex, whose name I don't know, approaches Michael. Michael has this moment of, what the fuck am I going to do here? Oh, I don't know. And then he notices that he has the like clicker to open mm-hmm. the door, and he opens the door. The door appears to the afterlife, and as the, the ex is falling back, he falls through it, and then the door pops away, and he's gone. Then Jason, he sees that another demon is mar- – this all happens so fast. They do a yeah. great job of packing the sequence with a bunch of stuff. Jason sees that one of the demons has Janet in a paperclip and is going to marbleize her. So Janet steps in and stops the demon from doing that by throwing a pool ball and hitting her in the head, which is really <laughs> cool. Jacksonville-style baby. And then a cute – even though it's kind of fucked up because it's a cute moment over this fight where someone was just trying to turn Janet into a marble. Mm-hmm. When Janet says, thanks, Jason, and they share like a knowing smile at each other. Mm-hmm. Really cute. You know the Janet and Jason stuff is coming up soon. It's got to yeah. be because we've been festering on it for a while. Michael opens the door again and tells Janet to throw that demon through it, which she does. And then Janet goes into some hand-on-hand karate and kick combat with one of the demons, totally takes him out with the thing, what do you call it, the triangle thing that you use to align the pool balls. The the rack? Rack yes. it up. Rack, rack them up. up. Rack them and sack them, boys. This is the moment when she's using stuff like that as a weapon. That's what reminds me of everything everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. using things that aren't weapons for regular people or regular looking people to use in a fight sequence. I thought it was really cool. Very good direction here. Super fun. Dean Holland. Good work. Jason awards Janet the best score ever in Jacksonville pool because of that move. And then Michael opens the door and Janet pushes the next guy through. Eleanor, who's watching all this happen, says to Chidi, is it just me or is Janet a straight up hottie right now? (laughs) Chidi says, how are you this close to being dragged to hell and still horny? And how did you know they were demons? Which then Eleanor kind of has this dilemma. Oh, God, yeah. Why I need to explain to you why I know this. Mm-hmm. Well, I it's not really a good time to tell you, but I guess there's no better time. I might as well just tell you. So she does. She finally says what she's been needing to tell Chidi for the last episode or two, stopping every once in a while to punch a demon that comes <laughs> up as she's giving the speech, and ends it with the very uh, telling line. And there's a real possibility that I'm in love with you again. Here on this plane of existence uh, today, now, in Canada, during this brawl with demons. Smartly, they don't give us a reaction from Chidi, but because the episode is going so fast, you don't feel cheated out of that Mm -hmm. moment because there's too much else to deal with and he can't do anything. We don't even get to see him process the information because it's interrupted by Janet being thrown on the bar and she's being dragged toward Mm -hmm. the door by one of the demons. This is the only thing that I think was maybe almost a little stupid. Mm-hmm. That pushing, I don't know, not that pushing her through the door makes her able to use her powers just a little bit. It's more the way that they talk about it. That she's like, oh, jinkies, when I get pushed th- through the door a little Even bit, I can use my bit, Janet powers. I have, yeah. And then someone says, really, your powers work? And she says, they do. Thanks for asking. I could have done without that dialogue other than I maybe agree. just one line of, oh, shit, I can do this. And then like the sonic boom which is Mm -hmm. what she does. She sends off this sonic boom and throws everyone off of her. And she sends another demon through the door while Sean has a moment to go off to the side and grab Eleanor and Chidi, dragging them to the door. You're coming with me. 
But Janet stands between them, very heroic, in front of the door, and is pushed through before Sean can push the humans through. So then he does. He's starting to push the humans through the door. Mm-hmm. But then Janet comes back with the fury and kicks Sean. This is also a really corny visual. Mm-hmm. She kicks Sean, who just goes flying into the air. Swinging in slow taking motion. Taking way too, too much time, falling into a table, which makes Janet smile. Michael feels like they've done it. We did it. Oh, well, of course, Janet did it. But I did the, you know, I had the. I feel like good job, the Janet. slow motion when Janet kicks him goes for like. Um, like a third of a second too long. Like in she a way like that makes it funny, or like, in a way that makes it cringy. Almost cringy. I still like it because it's Janet, and it's like a cool moment. And I buy Janet's facial expression because she probably would just be like smiling because she's Janet. But it like goes a little bit too long and, and hams it up a bit much for me. I would have cut the slow motion after she makes contact with Sean and he's like starting to fly back, then go back to real time and have the impact. I agree. I think that yeah. would have worked just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It makes it a little silly the way he just ragged all for 25 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael then in- interrogates Sean on how he made it to Earth and learns about the illegal portal and how they made this door and how they're able to get to Earth. I wrote down a line and now I don't remember the context of it. That's impossible. Uh, you're such a dweeb. Is that Sean? Sean calls somebody That's a dweeb? Sean talking to Michael when he's like, well, you're a little Doug set. Or no, it's when he talks about the door. You made a door to the afterlife? That's impossible. He said, of course, he's like, you dweeb, it's not impossible. They're talking oh, about no. the door. Oh, N- no, now you're reminding me. He's, he mocks Michael. And he's like, oh, that's impossible. Oh, you're such a dweeb. Because mm-hmm. Michael says it first. That's what it yeah. is. That's what I fucking said. Michael wants him to just drop all this. And he says, I love this choice of words. And hearing... Mark Evan Jackson say it twice. Michael says, Why can't you leave us alone? You don't have enough nostrils to stuff with wasps. I don't want just any wasp nostrils. I want these wasp nostrils. <laughs> and the way that he enunciates wasp, wasp nostrils, nostrils is really funny. <laughs> this is personal for me. It's become this big personal affair for all of them. And he says that no matter what you do, the bad place will get them and everyone, including your PP king, Doug Forsett, <laughs> before long. Because just a hunch he has. And do you want to know what else I have a hunch about? Michael says, no, and has a real girl boss moment and sends him through the door. Why let him keep saying mean stuff, right? That is a girl boss moment. Do you remember enough about the show to remember what maybe his hunch was? The hunch was about Doug Forsett going to the bad place. Okay. And he's like, how do you know that? And he's like, call it a hunch. No, no, no. After that, he says, but, and you know what else I have a hunch about? And that's when Michael kicks him through the door. Oh, that's the what other I'm talking hunch. About. Yeah. I have a guess, but it would be pretty spoilery. Do you not want to say it then? That everyone is in the whole world goes to the bad place. Yeah. Yeah. You think that's what he's talking about? I don't think that's too spoilery because that's what we've been getting towards a little bit. That, Or if not, just that everyone or just that the system is so intense that yeah. pretty much everyone anyway is going to the bad place. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So Chidi steps up to speak because he's frustrated. He thought Doug was going to be the blueprint. And once they found Doug, everything was fixed and they were going to be okay. But Sean here thinks that Doug is going to go to the bad place. So what does that mean for their plan? And Michael has his reveal here where I didn't really tell you guys this, but I've been realizing the point system has these big problems. And Mm -hmm. all of this has not just been me trying to save you guys at this point. It's me trying to get all the research I can in on what these problems are, why people aren't making it to the good place, and what can we do to cause a big enough rift to change that and to make them take a new look at the point system and all of that. And he says that now he's worried the problems with the system are going to be so much worse, so much more serious, so they need to gather some real evidence, which then Jason has his really funny evidence line. (laughs) 
No, Michael. Uh, sir, no, no, uh, Michael, you're confused. Evidence isn't a good thing that you want. It's a bad thing that you have to destroy or you go to jail. Jason, quick, I, I, I need that coaster over there behind the pillar. You got a bus? I, I just needed a, a 30 second break. Thank yeah. You. Tani asks, what evidence do they need? And Michael isn't really sure, but his next plan is that he and Janet will go to this accountant, this soulless mm -hmm. accountant, where the actual point tallying is done and discuss the issues with them while the humans hide at Doug Forsett's for a while. <laughs> Michael says, you guys are going to need to feed all the dogs and the wolves. And if a teenager shows up on a dirt bike, just do what he says. It's very <laughs> scary. Then after that, Jason pops up and says, hey, Michael, uh, I forgot what you asked for. That's okay, bud. Thanks anyway. <laughs> and Jason's proud of himself for that. They'll be safe here a while, they think, because they can wait at Doug's while Michael and Janet do the next thing. But er, record scratch, Ricky Ricky, because a lot more demons just showed up in the bar and it said Earth has been compromised. They're not safe here anymore. Mm -hmm. Anybody can come to Earth now. They can just come in uh, in the droves. Droves? Troves. Yeah, they come in droves. Droves or troves? Droves. A trove would be a location that holds Like a treasure, treasure. trove. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they show up in droves, so Earth is no longer safe. They need to figure out somewhere else to go, but where else is there to go? Yeah. Janet comes up with the idea that, okay, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, but my next idea is you can all come into my void. I think it's Cheaty who says, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go into a void. I mm -hmm. think he's just scared of these demons, and he's just into yeah. whatever idea gets them Anything out of this. Anything that gets them out. And Janet starts to explain, okay, we can do this. You guys can come here. I don't know if it's going to work, but all of you will definitely die. So look around and say goodbye <laughs> to Earth. Without missing a beat, Jason goes, goodbye, Earth. <laughs> While Chidi says, what? Do you say we're going to die? Then boop. We hear the Janet boop for the first real time in a while, and the humans disappear as they go into her void. They all disappear. I think maybe we see some of their stuff drop to the ground to maybe. influence that they're gone or to, to not influence, to show, demonstrate, whatever, Allude? to emphasize that they've left this plane. I think they dropped okay. some things, and the episode ends. Here's what I want to say. Janet doesn't have powers unless she's partway through the door. I How think there's she... like a residual time. I don't know. I, I think that's a little bullshit. Yeah, I don't How buy is that. She able to boot I think them she has the... to, like, she should have to be like some part of her body touching the portal to do I that. I think what would make more sense and maybe even have been a little bit more exciting is if Janet says, I can only take you in if I'm partly through the door and I can't take you all in unless we're all on that plane. What mm -hmm. if they had all had to go through the door where all the demons that they had just sent there are? And then long go enough into the void. For them to be like, oh, we got you again long enough for then them to disappear. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been fine with that. Sense. That would have made more know. sense for sure. But that is where the episode ends. And I think it's a good place to end the episode. Mm -hmm. the, what I'm thinking now isn't so much that the Doug Forsett of it all isn't dynamic enough. It's that the episode has other things to focus on by the second half mm -hmm. that I don't think Doug quite gets his full due in this episode. I think he needs a more dynamic conclusion to his character, which I hope we get. I don't quite remember what happens with Doug. Or if we see Michael McKean as Doug again. I think I, don't I know what happens with Doug. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the episode after we talk through it? I, I get this vibe as we've been talking through this episode that it isn't quite as dynamic as some of the others, that it's been pretty okay, point A to point B to point C, that there's not a lot of meat on these bones as compared to some of the recent ones. What do you think? 
I like this episode. I think I mean, it, I like it. Sure. It's weird because the A plot and B plot are so different because the A plot runs pretty linear and mm-hmm. then the B plot goes feels like some time linear, passes and then it ramps up to way Oh, you're talking yes, yes, bigger than the A plot. So I think that that's why it feels weird is because the B plot becomes the A plot the last third of the episode and Very that true. maybe can like sully an okay A plot as is. Well, in this episode, with all the A plot, B plot shenanigans, did you have any trouble deciding good place, bad place? I had a very easy time just deciding good place, bad place this week, Zach. Do you want to hear where my mind is at? Good place. I know my good place, but I'm not sure on my bad place, so why don't you give me yours first? So my bad place this week, I didn't want to give it to any of the demons because I think that they're inherently bad. They actually literally did not get sent to the bad place in this episode. They got sent to the judge's door that's where they went to the mm-hmm. where the judges my bad place this week is doug Forsett. whoa i think making people drink your own piss and not warning them is pretty fucking bad no so, doug Forsett goes bad place for me doug Forsett's literally going to the bad place because think... of his behaviors that he demonstrates in this episode he is enabling a sociopathic child. He's keeping a bunch of dogs and wolves. Wolves are supposed to run free on a diet of lentils and radishes that is not healthy for canine sustenance. And he killed a snail. He called Michael Mark. Bad place for Doug this week. My bad place is gonna... Oh, easy. My bad place is Raymond. Raymond's bad. Yeah. He's taking way advantage of this old guy, mm-hmm. way more than fun. Just, just, just a general nuisance. Easy. Raymond, bad place. And also easy, way easier than you said, is that Doug Forsett goes to the good place this week for me. Mm. Because he doesn't get to enjoy his life because of his dedication to making things better. Whether that's the right or wrong thing to do, I think he deserves his eternal reward for all that he had to put himself through in life. I think he deserves to go to the good place and to be rewarded for his work. He made them drink piss. Yeah, but that's not as bad for some people, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not so worried about that part. <laughs> he killed Martin Luther Gandhi Tyler Moore. Well, that's the podcast this week. That was. It's not. I didn't say my good place. You don't give a shit about me. You don't care about what I Did have to say or think. It's you don't, don't, you don't care about mind. my. Handily. No, it's Janet. Yeah, Janet it? kicks ass and saves she the does. day. She kicks great ass. Fantastic ass. I cannot believe you didn't even consider Janet for your good place because instead you go for the not dynamic Doug Forsett as your good place. I don't think the violence should be rewarded, Stephen. It was to save. Their eternal souls. Yeah, but some of those pot shots were for fun. She had to get them through the door. I don't know. Janet, bad place. Change my mind. Janet, 5,000 bad place points. <laughs> Bortles. Janet's a good choice. I still think Doug Forsett is a good choice. I think he deserves his eternal dessert. Well, Doug Forsett with a well-deserved net zero this week. Well, that's the podcast. Next week, we're going to be back to talk about an episode that we're both going to, I'm sure, agree over being one of the greatest episodes, Mm -hmm. if not the greatest episode of this entire show. And it all lies in the hands of one character, one actress who makes the whole thing happen. It is the excellent episode, Janet's, that was such a huge pleasant surprise when it aired for the first time i'm really excited to revisit it to see what we can i don't know that what are we gonna do but talk about how great darcy carden is for two i'm so excited zach this is before we started doing this show you would just like cold call ask me my favorite episode 
this might be it. I'm I know. really excited. And it doesn't really have most excited. of the characters in it. It's all Darcy. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited to dive back into More that like episode. Starcy Cardin or Darcy hey, Starden. Either very one good. works. The first one was better. Yeah, I, I hope so. you guys join us next week to talk about that classic episode. I hope you've enjoyed revisiting the show with us. And before you know it, we're going to be into the final season and starting to talk about what will come next for old Zachy and Steven after The Good Place concludes <gasps> the beginning of next year. Gasp. I just Shock. came up with this as a bit. I'll end with this bit. What if... Because what we've done in the past when it's time for us to mm-hmm. pick our next show is together we come up with four options. Yeah. We do a bonus episode on each of the four options, and then we let the audience vote. Mm-hmm. And that becomes our next show. That's how we got to the good place. Yeah. What if one of the four options this time is that we stop? <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> and if that's the winning vote, we go away. <laughs> we pack it that, up. But what if it wins? <laughs> that's it. I don't know if we can risk that, can we? I mean, I think it'd be funny. Guys, I I appreciate you so much, and I beg that you don't vote for us to stop. I do not know <laughs> what I'd do with myself. Without you, without your ears opening up for me, it's what I need to make it through these hard times. Don't vote for us to go away. What would you vote? Would you vote for us to go away, Steven? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You're thinking like maybe 2026? It's about time. Some point. We'll see. Well, that's the podcast. If you like this and you want more of us, you can get a whole lot more of us at Patreon. If you don't want us to go away, you can get yeah, the direct please. opposite of it at <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast. You can get this podcast a week early every week. You can get our live pre-show. You can't just a pre-show that we do before we record the podcast every week. You can get The Basement or That 70s Rewatch podcast over on the Patreon. All of that and more starting at $5 a month. Support the show. Help us take it further. We're trying to get some new gear and trying to move this thing into the next level because we want to grow this further and we can't do it without some cold, hard cash. And Colgate just won't answer my calls to get ads from them anymore. Yeah. Colgate's blocked me. I will put yeah. so much toothpaste in my mouth. Yeah. Well, Stephen, where else care. can the people find us? So they've seen it before. They can't give us money, much like the people over at Colgate. Yeah. If you want to stick a tooth brush pretty much anywhere Wherever for the right want. price yeah yeah come follow us over on all you have to X. do is follow us on twitter <laughs> yeah just follow us on twitter follow us on instagram subscribe to the youtube on twitter and instagram or over at time knife pod search the name of the show on youtube into the time knife you'll get the video companion see uh my my cool luffy shirt see zach's keep a running tally nose. of how many times i've blown my nose this keep pod. a running tally of how many times you can see zach's boog action going on his boogie nights and i don't clean. mean his penis clean mark Wahlberg hangs dong in boogie nights right yeah but it's not real it's a prosthetic dong because the joke is how large the character's penis is so it's yeah. like ungodly big so like Mark and Wahlberg we all know is that not that's that not that what Marky Mark is packing. No, that's too How bad. Tall? The guy's like five three. <laughs> He's yeah, not packing a hog. And I thought his cock was the same. Well, that's enough, Mark Wahlberg cock talk. Yeah, get us out of here, Stephen. From inside the time night. From inside the oh, time <laughs> Andrea Bocelli is back on the show. Thank Most you. Most time Grammy Award. I'm pretty yes. sure Grammy Pick liked up that the album C winner. On Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, Black Lives Matter. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And Steven made me drink his piss. hey <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Just don't let the good life pass you 
goodbye.